Hey, this is Pastor Chris with Believer City Church. Listen, I want to thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message on today. It's my prayer that something said will encourage you to believe in God, believe in yourself, and believe in others. And with that being said, let's jump straight into the message. Amen. Listen, do me a favor. Grab your Bibles while you're standing real quickly, whether it's in a paper form or a digital form. Go with me to John chapter 21. Listen again while you're doing that. I say thank you so much for being in this place on today. Thank you for the, the worship, the praise that you bring with you. Thank you for the love that you have for God that you're bringing into this place. Thank you for those who are watching online. I've seen the numbers climbing while I was sitting there on today. And I want to say thank you guys so much for being a part of what God is doing. I believe that God has a word for us. I'm going to tell you, this is not the easiest subject for me to talk about, but it's the Bible. So if you're going to feel some type of way after it's done, listen, don't feel that way towards me. This has nothing to do with me, all to do with God. Amen. So listen, just repeat after me. Say, Father God, I'm here today seeking a word from you. So open my ears that I can hear. Touch my heart so that I will feel, and renewing me a right mind, so that I will do. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, amen. John chapter 21, I want to read a couple of verses for you if you don't mind. Um, this is what the Word of God says for the people of God. After these things, starting at verse 1, after these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and he manifested himself in this way. Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and uh, Nathaniel and, of Cana and Gilead uh, and the son of Zebedee and two other sons and two of his disciples were together. Verse 3 says, Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will also come with you. They went out and got into a boat and all night they caught nothing. All night, they caught nothing. For a moment today, if you allow me, I want to go into the, first st the fourth stage of our series in the journey. And that, st that stage is simply the journey to begin. You may be seated in this place on today, the journey to begin. Initially, when I came today, or matter of fact, I, last night when I was just putting the final touches on all the messages, um, I was hoping to just run straight through this. I was hoping that I would get every other part of this series has been one week, we done, one and done, one and done, one and done. And I got to this part, and I was like, God, please don't, I want to be done with this series. I don't like dragging things out past four weeks. People don't always get it. And so I said, God, let me be done with it. And it just, it wouldn't fit. It wouldn't fit. I wanted to wrap it up, but it wouldn't fit. I tried to make today's message, everything combined in one, and it just wouldn't fit. And so I have Two more weeks following this week of this series because this one message that I really wanted to teach today ended up having to be broken up into three parts. And the reason why I believe that it had to be broken up into three parts because this is the area of our lives where many of us struggle. So it is unfair and it's unjust for me to run through areas where we as believers struggle. If this is an area that needs us to pay attention to, then I want to pause and pay attention to it. After all, after the, this past week, I know what it is to struggle. I don't know if y'all know, but last week we started the Biggest Loser Contest. Yeah, y'all can woohoo all you want to. I'm going to be honest, my life for the last seven days has been a struggle. 
It has been a strain on me. Brother Sean is in the building right now. He works with me. He has the audacity to bring candy and put it in the truck with us. He suggested that we go eat barbecue knowing that we have a problem. And I say we have a problem because we're brothers in this. We're supposed to work through this. So this week has been a struggle, but I've been faithful along this struggle. God bless you. I've been so faithful. I've been eating salads. I, I ate my breakfast yogurt and did everything that I'm supposed to do. I'm juicing. I'm, I, I, made, I made a waffle out of a, a healthy shake. And it was just all of these things. I have been faithful this week until yesterday. It was a struggle. Somebody told me I could have a cheat day. And I, I know, but it hurt. I mean, I, you eat for six days healthy, straight, and then go try to eat some greasy chicken, your body is going to tell you you crazy. It just don't fit right. But I came in today and I thought, I said, Lord, that one day of seeing me going back on you was going to hurt me. But I got on that scale today and I lost seven pounds, man. I'm feeling good up in this joint. I'm feeling real good. I, I can't wait till service is over. I'm going to get back in it. But yet and still, this week was a struggle. It's hard because there's more places that sell bad things than there are that sell good things. And so I had to make a conscious decision, no matter what, that I was going to prepare for the struggle. I had to do my meal prep at home. I had to boil my eggs before I left. I had to fill my gallon full of water. Whatever it was, I had to do it to prepare for the struggle because I knew when I left the safety of my house and I went out into the world, it was going to be problematic for me. It can be fine while I'm at home and my daughter's saying, Daddy, you can do this. Let's go walk. I, it's all good at the house when you got support. But when you step out into the world and you got brothers like Sean that try to bring candy in your car and all of these type of things, it can become problematic for you. And so I understand what it is to struggle. And so it made sense to me as a believer how these areas that I want to talk to you about today and next Sunday and the following Sundays are areas that many of us struggle in. And I know why. Now that we struggle in, because the reality is it's hard to tell your body no. It's hard to tell yourself no. After all, you know what makes you feel good. You know what you desire. But the reality is that when you're saying no, you're putting yourself in a position where you're disciplining yourself because you know that there's something better waiting on you. Earlier, I thought, you know, the biggest sin, the biggest issue for believers was sin. It's not. Sin is just a byproduct of us not having control over other areas of our lives. Sin is just the thing that we fall into because we're struggling with other areas of our lives. And so I can stand up here and just tell you I want to preach to you about not sinning, but today I want to share with you about not struggling. I want to share with you on how to overcome the struggle. There are three great struggles, and I wanted to talk about all of them today, but I can't talk about them all today. But I want to share them with you. And the three greatest struggles that we have as believers is we struggle to sow, we struggle to serve, and we struggle to share. Those are the three areas of our lives as believers we struggle. We struggle to sow, give. We struggle to serve, be a part, be active, and we struggle to share, tell somebody else about the gospel. These are three areas of our lives that we have to find the courage and the strength to overcome because if we never find the courage and the strength to overcome these areas of our lives, it's going to be impossible for us to overcome sin. The first thing that we're going to talk about starting this week is understanding that as it relates to sowing, that we have to have a desire to sow into the work of God. 
It's something that you have to want to do. It's, some, it's nothing I, I can make you do it. First service will tell you, Pastor felt so uncomfortable talking about sowing. I hate preaching to people about giving. I hate it because of so, uh, for so long people have misused people, they have manipulated people, and as a result of it, it's hard for people to give. I've been a part of churches where people felt that all the money was going to the pastor and he was wasting it and he was doing this. I've been a part where they were always saying, you need to give for the new wing, give for this and give for that. And we have put so many wrong reasons on giving. People struggle to give. And today I'm excited about teaching this, but still yet nervous about teaching it because I know that although I'm trying to teach you something with a different perspective, uh, maybe something you've never heard before, but yet still is in a biblical pretense, I'm afraid that what I'm going to encounter is that your hearts are so hardened as it relates to giving that you will not receive it. I'm worried about the history of what the church has done to people in the church. I'm worried about the manipulation and how people have raised capital campaigns only to show that, hey, we don't have enough to still get done. I've seen it. I've been a part of it. I understand. And I will stand in the gap for many pastors, hundreds of years past, that have done the wrong thing. And I say, I am sorry that people have manipulated you. I'm sorry that people have made you feel guilty for not giving. The reality is that giving is really something unique and something beautiful between you and God. It's something special between you and God. It has nothing to do with this church. God uses this church as an avenue for you to give, but it has everything to do with you and God. So the reason why I want to teach this message on today is because I want to mend your heart so that nothing a man do has done can keep you from where God wants you to be. I understand there are people in here that give, but maybe you've, you've been given and it may have been given out of the wrong pretense. Maybe you've been given just because Big Mama told you this is what you better do. Maybe this is what you've been doing. But I want to show you today that God has a special plan for your life when you're willing to sow, when you're willing to release so that you can grow, so that the kingdom of God can grow. This is what I want to talk to you about. And the reason why I want to talk to you about this, because in your releasing, in your sowing, gives you the ability to overcome obstacles of sin. It gives you the ability to overcome obstacles of sin. I love this particular passage of Scripture. Uh, if you know anything about the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are what we consider the Gospels of the Bible. Uh, these are people who uh, supposedly had walked with Jesus or in the time of Jesus, and they have firsthand account stories of what Jesus encountered. And so when you look at what's happening in Mark, Luke, uh, Mark, Luke, Matthew, and John, they are telling it from their perspective. But then we know that there's something unique about these Gospels because even though there's four, there's three of them that are special. They're called the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. These three are basically mirror for mirror. Everything that you see in each one of these chapters, they tell the same stories just from a different lens. John usually adds a different perspective and a few more things that Matthew, Mark, and Luke don't have. And so today we're looking at the gospel according to John, the same gospel that Matthew, Mark, and Luke talks about when Jesus Christ had died, had rose, and he had already met with the disciples in the upper room. The same thing that happened there is what's happening here in this particular text. And what happens before what we're getting to is that Jesus has met with the disciples. He's shown Thomas his hands. He says, listen, look at me, touch you, put your fingers through. I, I am the Messiah. I am who I said I am. I have risen. He's already dealt with the things that they're going through and the confusion that they had. And he has given them what the church has come to understand is the great commission. The great commission, he says, go and share the gospel. You want to know what your calling is in church more than anything else 
Your calling is to share the gospel. Before you're called to be an usher, a greeter, a, a worship singer, a prayer, uh, a prayer partner, a media tech, whatever it is, before you're called to do any of those things, you're called to share the gospel. Years ago, I taught a sermon uh, on the GO Factor, G-O. I used it as an acronym, and what the GO Factor stood for was get over yourself, get out of the church, and get on with the process. Those, that's what GO stood for, because many of us don't move forward in what God has asked us to do because we can't get over ourselves. We're always in our own way talking about, I'm not good enough. I don't speak eloquent enough. I don't know anybody. They won't talk to me, and such and such. They won't receive me. My story is bad. My history is bad. And so we have a bunch of issues. So before we even try, we keep ourselves from moving forward because we're doubting ourselves. Can I help you understand you're not the first person with problems? You're not the first person with issues. There's many people in the Bible. Noah was considered a drunk. Uh, Moses couldn't speak. There was all type of issues, but yet and still, they are called to lead different people. Many people probably don't even know it, but I have dyslexia. I literally hate reading. There is not a book in this world that I want to read. The only book that I can read and comprehend more than anything else is the Bible. It does not make sense. My friends, they come to me, oh, T.D. Jakes just dropped a new book. Did you read it? Uh, technically, I didn't read it. I listened to it. Because I cannot make myself sit there and read it, no matter what. I will buy the audible books. I will listen to it, but I cannot make myself read it. The, the words get jumbled up. It makes my head hurt. But I can sit all day and read and comprehend the Bible. It's not by my will. It's by his will. This is what God has called me to do. And why do I share that with you? Because where I am not qualified, God qualifies me. All I have to do is take the first step and say, you know what? I will do what it is that you're asking me to do. So I suggest today, if you really want to be all that God has called you to be, get over yourself. Stop talking about what you can and cannot do and understand the fact that God said it. And so all you got to do is act on it. So the first thing I taught when I taught that message is to get over ourselves. Then I said that, you know what? We have to get out of the church because there's a group of people that are so confined to this building that they feel like everything has to be done here. And as a result of it, your salvation stops when you leave the church. You don't take God with you outside of the church. And so we have to learn as believers how to not only get over ourselves, but to also get out of this box. Get out of here and understand that you are the church. God wants you to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. We understood all those things and then get on with the process because many of us will procrastinate. We will procrastinate. We will make every excuse why we cannot do what it is that God is asking us to do. But we have to finally get the energy and the strength to say, you know what? I'm not going to waste any more time. I'm just going to do what God is asking me to do. That's a sermon in a sermon. That was from years ago. I just gave y'all that just to hold on to it. But today, we're going to talk about having the desire to sow. So, yes, I'm going to talk to you about your giving. And I'm not going to dance around it. And I'm not going to say, well, it's not just about giving your money. It's about giving your time and all that. I'm not going to do it. I am scared to talk about giving. I don't know why, because I give so well. I'm, I freely give. I love to give. I'm more than what they call a totter. I'm a generous giver. I give above and beyond. But I know that so many people have been hurt by this subject, that it hurts to even hear another person talk about it. But if you can bear with me for the next 20 to 30 minutes, I promise you, you'll enjoy I promise you, you'll understand that there is value in giving. So Jesus has just done this amazing thing. He showed himself to the disciples, and you would think the disciples would go. You would think that they would get off their tushies and go and share the gospel to everybody. Did you know the Messiah? I can't say what I want to say. Yes, tushies. And so did you go and do what God has asked you to do? But they did not. They did not go. 
Instead, Simon Peter, the one who denied Jesus three times, the one who Jesus says, listen, I'm going to do some great things with you, the one who later on in Acts chapter 2 brings thousands of people to the church, Simon, the leader of the group, decides, you know what, today I'm going to go fishing. I know Jesus told me to go share the gospel, but I'm going to go fishing. And I believe the reason Simon decides to go fishing is because Jesus has left, or so he thinks. And Simon wants to go back to doing the one thing that he was good at doing before Jesus came. So Simon says, I got to fend for myself. I got to make ends meet. I got to make things happen. So I'm not going to do what God is asking me to do right now. I got to go catch something because I got to make sure that everything is okay. And the thing about a leader is no matter where he's leading, when people are called to follow you, they will follow. And so there are disciples that had the same commission that Simon had, but because Simon was called to be the leader at that time, they followed Simon down a road that I would consider a road to destruction because of the fact that a leader told them, this is what you have to do. This is what you should do. So they go fishing, the Bible says. As they go fishing, they're fishing, and the Bible says they fish all night and they catch nothing. This is not the first time Simon has done Something like this. But there's something that happens very unique again that mirrors what we've seen when Simon first encountered Jesus. What we see, that Bible tells us that here it is, Jesus sitting on the bank, had not yet revealed himself to him, says to them, sons, have you caught anything? Simon Peter looks up and the rest of them, no, we didn't catch anything. And just as before, but this time Jesus tells them, don't even move. Last time he told them to go out to the deep. But this time he tells them, don't even move. He says, right there, just cast your nets over to the right. Without thinking, he grabbed the nets, cast their nets over to the right. The Bible says that they caught a great multitude. It was so much, their friends again start coming, and instantly the disciples are like, whoa, this is a repeat? That's Jesus. That is the Messiah on the bank. The Bible says Simon Peter gets dressed because he's had already stripped his clothes so that he can fish. He ain't even going to ask no questions. He jumps in. He pursues Jesus. He gets to the bank. The rest of the disciples make their way in. But when he gets to the bank, Jesus has already got a fire going and fish on the grill. I need you to understand what's happening here. One of the biggest mistakes that us as believers do is that we think that we have to figure life out for ourselves. We think that we have to figure out the next move for our family. We think that we have to figure out the next way that we're going to become millionaires, that we're going to become successful. We think that we got to come up with all of these ideas when the reality is that if you really want to be successful, all you got to do is what God has called you to do. God said to them, Go and share the gospel. If God said go and share the gospel, he didn't say go worry about what you're going to eat. Obviously, he will make ends meet some way, form, or fashion. But instead, they decide to go fishing. It's amazing. I love what happens here because they was in the right place doing an okay thing, but they were still not successful. It was not until God commanded them to be in that place doing that thing that they became successful. Y'all don't understand. Some of you in the right marriage trying to do the right thing, but yet and still God hadn't commanded you to be there yet. 
And so it's been a struggle for you in there. You've been on the right job, knowing you're doing the right thing, but God hadn't said this is the season for you to be there yet. Some of us find ourselves in the right places doing a good thing, but yet it's still because it's not commissioned by God, we keep failing. We keep failing. And you get frustrated because you're failing. Can I suggest that it's not you? You're not the mistake. Your skills is not the problem. But the reality is your skills without God are worthless. It does not matter what you do. The same way they cast it on the left, they cast it on the right. But the only thing different is God told them where to cast. Many of us are wasting our lives, wasting our time doing a bunch of stuff without God. Because it's not where God told us to be. So they fish, they catch all the fish, they get to the bank. Jesus is sitting there. He's already cooked up the fish. Uh, He's sitting there and he tells them, hey, bring me some of that fish that y'all got. Simon goes and counts. I think it's like 135 or 132, something like that. He brings it and gives Jesus some. Jesus sits down. They're eating fish and bread. And Jesus just begins to have a dialogue with them right there. Nobody asks a question. Nobody says anything because they're in awe. They know that this is the Messiah. In this text, we see the value of giving. In this text, we see the value of giving. I know somebody should be saying right now, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it in there. I want to talk to you about it, and I want to make sure that you understand it because there are some things that we have to understand about giving so that we can move forward to the next phase of our lives. The first thing that I want to make sure that you understand is that as it relates to giving, what we have to realize is the reality of sowing is that God doesn't need anything from you. I need you to get my dad. I told the first service, get it through your thick skull. God does not need anything from you. That's the reality. And I know it's probably against everything that every pastor has probably said, man, God needs you to sow into this ministry. God says if you bless this ministry, he's going to bless you. I got it. I'm sorry. But if I can suggest and be honest with you today, it ain't a suggestion. It's just the truth. God don't need nothing from you. Pastor, why do you say that God doesn't need nothing from me? Did you look at the text? Let me help you remind you in the text. When you look at Matthew chapter 21, after they've been out there, after Jesus has told them to cast a net, what we see happen in verse 9, it says these words. So when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid and fish placed on it and bread. Before they got there, Jesus had a fire, fish, and bread. God don't need nothing from you. You think your little fish is going to make everything make sense? He don't need that. When you showed up, he had everything that he needed. That's the reality. The reality why this is so important, and I want to make sure that you understand this, God doesn't need anything from you, but he does want something from you. The reason why that has to make a big difference is because understanding that someone needs you and wants you should change the way you handle the situation. Some of y'all still don't have it. See, I got this gangster ghetto wife of mine, and, um, and she's from, she from the cliff, and, and Sonneville and Overton, and so I'm real about that thing. She for real. When I got her, she had all she needed. She had two cars. She had a house that was halfway paid for. And this was as a young woman. I've been with her 14 years married to her now. And she had all this stuff to go. That was problematic for a brother like me. Because I walk up, I am, I'm your savior. You needs me, baby. She quickly made sure I understand I don't need you. I enjoy you. I want you. 
but I don't need you. And so there's some behaviors that I had come accustomed to handling people with that I couldn't handle her life because she made it understood I don't need you. I had it before I got you. Matter of fact, you being with me is a benefit for you. She, she just made that plain and simple for me. And instantly, it changed my behavior traits. I didn't do some of the things that I had become accustomed to doing because I understood the dynamic was different in this relationship. Can I suggest that some of us enter the relationship with God as if he needs us? When the reality is that God doesn't need us, he wants us. And as a result of that, we should change the way we approach God. We should change our behavior towards God because he wants to be in a relationship with us. He wants to commune with us. He wants to break bread with us, but he don't need to. Reality is if you don't do it, he can get somebody else to do it. I wanted to lead with that because... One of the biggest struggles to give is to think that God needs you. And it's a struggle because we, we, we fail to give because we think that God needs us. And as a result of it, we fail to have a relationship with God. Because anytime you're in a relationship where you feel like someone is always taking from you, you don't want to fool with them. So I want to help you today to clarify the air that God wants you. When the disciples came, the table was set. Everything was already ready. So the reality of what I come to understand is that when I'm without God, when I'm outside of God's will, is when I'm struggling. But when I'm inside of God's will, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He makes sure that I have everything that I could possibly need set up. He had more than the disciples had. He had a fire, fish, and bread. God does not need you. But God really does want you. The fact that he invites you into a relationship with him is something that you should hold fast to and you should understand that it's good. It feels good to feel wanted. It feels good to feel wanted. It feels good to have somebody that doesn't need anything from me. They just want me in the environment. It feels good to feel wanted. The second thing that I love about this text is it transitions me from understanding the reality of giving to understand the requirements of giving, the requirements of sowing. And what I understand about the requirements of sowing is that the requirements of sowing is that God just wants some from you. He's not asking for it all. He's just asking for some of it. And some of you don't understand the concept of some of it. And because of that, I, I, I brought some little fake money. I was going to try to go to the bank, but I felt like somebody was going to try to keep it. So, so I didn't go to the bank. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten. So we have ten $5 bills. And the way the sum works is it's really directly tied to this tithing principle where you get ten and you give God one. So you get to keep nine. Many of us struggle with giving God the one because we feel like if I give you the one, I'm not going to be able to pay my light bill. If I give you the one, you're going to make me hoop right there. I'm not going to be able to put gas in my car. We feel like this one is going to make a major difference in our lives. Can I help you understand if you can't manage the nine, you don't deserve the one. I just want to be honest with you today. If you can't manage nine, 
You don't deserve the one. But we serve a God that he ain't in the business of taking nothing from you. He wants you to bring it. And this is where I want to change your heart and your mind. Because you think God needs you and you giving him something. The reality is it was never yours. Y'all don't believe me. You think because you go to work that that check is yours? It ain't yours. Let me show you in the text because I don't want to be considered a lie. I don't want to make up things. Look at verse 10 and 11. Verse 10 and 11, Jesus said to them, bring me some of the fish which you have now caught. Let's just stop right there. Verse 10, bring me some of the fish which you have now caught. Why is it important to understand now caught? But because before I told you where to throw the net, you ain't catch nothing. In other words, without me in your life, you would have nothing. Can I help you understand the reason why I love giving to God is because I know that because God has given to me, I got it. So listen, I'm like y'all boys in the club now. I'm like, you can have whatever it is that you want from me because without you, I wouldn't have it. I'm blessed that I now can give it. It's an honor that I now can give it to you. And so I love in the text that he, he begins to show me that the requirement of sowing is that we have to willingly give it to God. He says to the disciples, he says, go bring me some. He didn't say bring me all. He said, just go bring me some of what you have now caught. Simon Peter goes over there, and the Bible says Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of large fish, and hundred, it was 153, 153 fish. He catches and he brings some to God. He didn't even bring it all. He just brought some to God. Why is it a struggle just to give God some of what he's giving you all of? It changed my whole perspective about sowing through the church to the kingdom of God. When it, sent, when it made sense that without him, I wouldn't have it. I'm going to tell y'all a story. I've told it to the church if y'all been here before. I told it to the church uh, before I was saved, when I was like Simon, uh, before I was saved. And I can't, I'm not saying you're not saved now, Simon. I'm just saying before when I didn't come to church, when my girl made me, when my arms were folded, I didn't want to be here. Um, Mother-in-law, she out there probably in the foyer right now. She used to be one of the people that made you sit on the second or third row. And um, she would sit me on the second or third row. Back then, they would pass the offering plates by. And I ain't really like that. That's why we don't pass offering plates now. But they would pass the offering plates by. And um, my mother-in-law was like, psst, psst, you going to tithe? <laughs> I knew what tithing was. My math was real good. 10%. I was making a nice piece of change. It was like I was going to get that church some ridiculous money. I think it was like four or $500 that Sunday. I ain't giving your pastor nothing. He drives a Range Rover. I'm not sowing nothing into this church. It ain't happening. And that offering plate came, and I was one of them good boys. I didn't even touch it. <laughs> y'all can just let that thing go right on by me. I tell y'all this story because I was real good at my job, had no problems, but went to work the very next day and lost my job. I don't understand it. It perplexed me. How? Did I lose my job? I walked in and literally, you know, when they're going to fire you, they would really come and say, hey, this is it and everything. My boss was like, Chris, I don't understand. We just got a call from Corpus Christi. We, we just got to let you go. And instantly I felt like my mother-in-law put a curse on me. 
I said, this is because I didn't get that church no money. And I, didn't have, I couldn't find a job for a long period of time. And I finally just was like, God, if you let me get a job, I promise you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tithe. I'm not, never going to stop tithing. I'm going to give you whatever you need if you just let me get a job. Why? Right after I prayed that, the same job that I had called me back, offered me less money, but the same job right back. And you know I said, come on, give it here. And I took the little that I had, and I, ain't, I haven't stopped tithing since. I have not stopped tithing since. And, and every, every time I tithe, every time I give, God gives me more and more and more. But I do it because I'm willing to do it. I don't ever want to feel like I have to do anything. I want to do it because I am willing to do it. In the Old Testament, we gave as a result to atone for our sins. We had to do it. In the New Testament, Jesus Christ is the atonement of our sins. And so we don't have to do it, but we should want to do it. That's something that we want to do. So you can sit here and argue about Old Testament versus New Testament. You fine. I don't care. You're right. It was law back then. It don't have to be law now because it's love now. I do it because I love you now, because I want to sow into you, because I want to be a part of what you're asking me to do. And so we come to understand not only does God not need us, but what we see here is that God only wants some. He only wants some. And when, he, when the reality is when you're willing to give him some, what you're really giving him is your heart. That's what you're really giving through your giving. The Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart would be also. And if we can be honest, our treasure for most of us is our money. We got to be honest with that. That's what we hold dear to. You can play with me in a lot of ways, but don't play with my money. It's just that simple. And so when you're, willing to God, when you're willing to trust God with what matters to you, it shows how much you love him. It shows how much you love him because you know what the disciples could have done? They could have went up there, Jesus, you don't need none of our fish. This is our fish. You got fish already right here. I'm just going to eat off of your fish. Oh, y'all ain't seen people like that. People who come in and want to suck up the air and sit on comfortable seats but say, I'm not going to sow a seed into this. Y'all don't need me. Y'all was a church before I got here. I understand. I get it. But it also shows that you don't love what you're a part of. Actions speak louder than words. I see it over and over. Uh, I see people who are struggling, people who are going through things. And I hate to have to be like this with people. But oftentimes the people who struggle the most in life are the people who sow the less in life. And I'm not talking about the monetary value of how much they sow because all of us can't sow the same amount, but we all can make the equal sacrifice, but not the exact same amount. So I'm not talking about your dollar amount. I'm just talking about your willingness to trust God and love God. And the thing is, when you tell people, hey, this is probably where your problem is stemming, many people don't want to give. They were like, well, I just figured it out. Well, I just take a loan out. I just do this. You're going to dig yourself further in debt just to... Move forward. I went to, I went to uh, a place I probably shouldn't have went yesterday, J.C. Penney's, and um, they offered me a credit card. And I hate credit cards, but I love a discount. <laughs> and, and so they, they told me at J.C. Penney's, and I dropped seven pounds. I needed something new to wear. And, and they, they told me, they told me at J.C. Penney's, they said, if you get a card, we're going to give you 35% off. And even if you don't qualify, you're going to get 10 to 
50% off. And I'm like, well, I know I'm going to qualify. My credit ain't one now. I'm good. I recovered from that lifestyle. And so I said, 35% off, and I began to do the math. And I was like, that's a savings. Okay. So um, they were like, yeah, and you can just pay it off whenever you want to. Oh, I can. So that means instantly after the transaction, I can turn around and give you the money to pay off that card. Well, yeah, but you can hold it for a little while. No, 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 no. You're not trapping me in your debt. I'm going to take your 35% off. You can swipe your little card. But right after that transaction, I'm not even getting back in line. Let's go on and make a payment towards this card right now. I, I am not going to allow myself to dig myself any further in debt. Why is it that us as believers that we will fight harder against the will of God than working with the will of God? If we work with the will of God, it will naturally put us in the place that we're supposed to be. But oftentimes we fight so hard. Can you imagine what the disciples would have looked like if Jesus said, cast your nets on the right? And they was like, well, now that don't make sense. I'm going to cast my net on the left. Still would have caught nothing. Hearing from God but not doing what God is asking you to do makes no difference. You will still get the same results. Knowing what you should do but not doing it makes no difference. So the disciples went and they brought him some. And I love what happens when they bring him some because what happens is we transition from understanding the reality of sowing, the requirements of sowing, to seeing the reward of sowing. I love the reward of sowing. And the reward of sowing is simply this. God blesses you when you believe that God shares more with you. That is the blessing when you sow, that God will share more than you. I'm not making this up. If you look in the Bible, this is what happens in verse 12 and 13. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him. Who are you? Knowing that he was the Lord. Verse 13. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and the fish likewise. They didn't have bread when they came to the table. But because of the fact that they were willing to show up and bring the little that they had, it gave them access to the more that God has. The bread was not even part of their plan. They just wanted the fish. Can I suggest when you bring God the little, he will then therefore add more to what you have? Did you not understand the scriptures that says, give and it shall be given back unto you, good measures, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosoms? It didn't even say it's going to fall from heaven. It says from men will give it to your bosom. In other words, if you give to me, God's going to send some people to sow into you. You think that it was by accident that you got that raise? You think it was by accident that you got that refund check in the mail? You think that it was by accident that you got all of this extra that you got? It's not by accident. God sees what you're doing. God sees, and as a result of them seeing what you're doing, he wants to sow back into you. He wants to sow back into you. And I love what happens because the disciples don't even question. They know he's Lord. They sit there and they have fellowship. They have communion with their Lord and Savior. They're breaking bread with their Lord and Savior. They have moved from a place from being outside of the will of God to being back in the will of God. See, some of you don't understand what giving will do for you. You might not accept this, but the reality is that when the disciples were fishing, they were sinning. Pastor, how were they sinning when they were fishing? Sin is nothing but disobeying the direct orders of the Lord. 
That's what sin is. You can list the, the Ten Commandments, that's fine. But I'm going to tell you, there's some other things that we do that is against the will of God that is sin. Anytime God has told you to do something and you go against it, you stray away from the will of God, you are sinning. And so sin kept them away from the will of God, kept them outside of the will of God. But here we find them sitting at the table eating with Jesus. They are now back in the will of God. The reason why I want to share this with you, because the reason I need you to understand it is if I can get you to understand the value of giving, giving can help you stop sinning. Giving teaches you how to tell yourself no. Giving teaches you how to make better decisions in your lifetime. And if you can learn how to do that with money, then when old girl get in your DM, you can do that in your relationship. When people curse you out and act a fool on your job, you can do that on your job. You can make better decisions. The reason why many of us sin is because we have not learned the art to give. Giving actually teaches you how to control. It teaches you discipline. It teaches you to honor God. Many of us miss that lesson, and this is why in our lives we study stumbling. This is why I was so excited about teaching this, because it's not about your money. Your giving is not about your money. It's about your life. It's about your soul. And until you learn how to trust God with something that if we could just be real honest, it really don't matter. We know it don't matter because when life got hard, they was printing it like it made all the sense in the world. And I'm like, how y'all going to keep printing this? Is this not going to affect our economy? What's going to happen? They were just printing it. Oh, you can have a check. You can have a check. You can have a check. It was just money just giving away. Paper. We lose Everything, if we lose technology, everything, this makes no sense. You can take this to China and China decide we don't want to accept U.S. currency anymore. You broke in China. You can't even get back home. You can't trust God with something that makes no sense. How can you trust God with something that makes all the sense? If you can't trust God with some paper. How are you going to learn to trust them with your soul? If you can't trust God with paper, how are you going to trust them with your marriage, with your children? This is where many of us are struggling. This is why many of us are failing. This is why we can't begin down the journey because we can't get over the fact that we just got to learn to trust them with this paper. If we can trust him with this element, our lives would be so different. I love this particular text because this text is not about building a church. It's about building people. Jesus brings them and he says, listen, I've given to you. Now give back to me because I want to make you better than what you are. The reason why, the reason why, and I believe this with all my heart, the reason why the disciples left and went fishing is because they never really had to give up anything. The first time they went, Jesus caught all the fish. I mean, they caught all the fish, and Jesus told them where to get it. They gave it up knowing they were going to follow Messiah. They kept getting blessed. They kept getting blessed. They kept getting blessed. They kept getting blessed. Over and over, they kept getting blessed. Now Jesus is all of a sudden gone, and they're having to figure out how to live life after Christ. Mm, Y'all didn't get that. All of us know how to live life before Christ. But living life after Christ is a whole different story. And so because nobody had taught them how to live life after Christ, Jesus had to come back and teach them himself. Let me show you. Because if I don't show you, you're going to be stumbling. 
and I need you to stop struggling. I need you to stop stumbling. I need you to be the best that you can possibly be. And in order for you to best to be the best that you can possibly be, it requires you to listen to what I'm asking you to do. Jesus gives them a command, throw it, throw it over to the right side. They catch it. They bring it. He says, share something with me. He shares it. And they instantly are back in communion with God. We know what happens after this. They go and they live a life that shares the gospel. And because of it, we're able to teach and we're able to talk about the word of God. Can I help you understand that this is not the first time that this illustration was brought to us? We understand that the reality of sowing is that God does not need you. And God did not need Jesus to die on the cross for humanity's sins. He could have just let humans be wiped out, but he says, yet and still, I'm going to ask you. And Jesus willingly says, I want to serve you. And as a result of it, he allows a just reward to be for us to accept his name, accept the fact that he died on the cross for our sins so that we can have everlasting life. It didn't have to go that way, but because Jesus was willing and God wanted, it went that way. This is not something new, but the thing is that many of you will sit here and you will leave here and you will not try it. You will not try it. And I do not want you to feel guilty because it's a struggle for every believer. But I will tell you this, and I want you to understand this. You will continue to struggle with being stable in your relationship with God until you learn to overcome the desire to sow. Until you can learn to trust God with something that makes nothing matter. You will never be able to trust him with everything that does matter. If you want to stop sinning, if you want to stop answering the phone calls from dudes, you don't need to be answering the phone calls. Girls, you don't need to be answering the phone calls from. If you want to stop struggling with whatever your addiction is and whatever it is that you're going through, the only way you're going to do it is to learn the process. And the process is simple. God gave it. You have to trust him with it. And he'll bless you even more. God gave you your life. You have to learn to trust him with it. And he will bless you even more. This is the word of God for the people of God. Can we give God a hand clap of praise? What an amazing word from God. Listen, we thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message. And it's because of that that we want to extend two invitations to you. Our first invitation is if you're ever in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, for you to actually stop in and worship with us at Believer City Church. We would greatly appreciate the opportunity to get to know you better. The second thing that we would invite you to do is if you want to partner with us in ministry. This message has been able to impact your life in any way, form, or fashion. You're able to partner with us simply by going to our website at believercity.org and clicking on the Give tab and just donating whatever God allows your heart to do so. Uh, You can also download our app by going to Google Play or the app store and download Believer City Church. And there's ways that you can connect with us there, pray with us, give, and so many things that you can do to stay connected to the Believer City community. We thank you again for listening to this message, and we look forward to worshiping with you in the future. God bless you.